Welcome to All Bets Are Off Friday. Or in JB, should we say All Bets Are On Friday? Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> For you. Welcome in, everybody. Real Kipper and Born here. Cast of characters right back at you today. Derek Brandeo, Jennifer Rolnick on tech. Sammy McKeon and JB, don't look now. Boston Bruins versus the Toronto Maple Leafs, round one. Should have the Jaws theme ready for that. <laughs> what happened here? How did how did we, we get here? We were, we were fantasizing about this before Christmas, and it was not a chance. Boston struggling, Leafs on a tear. Jack Campbell, best goalie in the world. Everybody's answer. Yeah, and here we are, March twenty fifth, Toronto versus Boston. Under just under 20 games to go, nothing written in stone yet, but this today is a reality. Mm-hmm. And how does everybody, including our Sammy McKee, Sammy McKee, president of Leaf Nation, feel about that? Well, I just spilled a thing of water back here. It's well, a disaster. It's zone. appropriate, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really lurking. And it's really becoming a reality that I didn't think I was going to have to deal with again. And I really see the way that the two teams are playing. Tampa's scuffling. I think they're probably going to not continue to drop, but I don't think they're going to get necessarily hot. They're probably going to stay in that sort of range. Leafs have been playing well. They got the Bruins a couple times here. It really just seems to be that it's trending towards the Leafs playing the Bruins in the first round. And I, uh, yeah. I don't know. How, I don't know how to feel about it, boys. How should I feel about it? Well, I don't know. First off, uh, Sammy got some new glasses, and when we have a Sam Cam, you guys will get to see how wonderful he looks with his new specs. Oh, oh, um, but I put you. a poll on Twitter last night: Leafs fans in round one, you'd rather play Boston, Tampa Bay. Leafs fans voted seventy-six point four percent in favor of Boston over Tampa Bay. Now, I don't know if that's the right answer or not. I, I wrote an article on this today on sportsnet.ca on the, on the difference between the two. Is cup-winning experience more valuable than, I mean, Boston looks like the better team right now, statistically, anyway. If last night's outcome would have been a little different, if Tampa Bay would have beat Boston, of course, uh, the Bruins with a 3-2 win last night. No Patrice Bergeron. But yes, Hampus Lind, uh, Lindholm yeah. In the lineup, almost 24 minutes of solid work. <laughs> they just came in and said, you're the guy now. Thanks. You're the guy. How much did that change? And how much did last night's win against Tampa Bay make you, Sammy, feel a little bit different about the Boston Bruins? Because I'm watching them last night. And we still got some time here. But... They, it, it, they are trending in the right direction. In Tampa Bay, maybe not so much. I really, I shouldn't say liked what I saw from the Bruins I because it terrified me, but I liked what I saw from the Bruins. They just yeah. look like a like that machine, like that, that black and gold machine. They're just rolling their lines. I love that line with Coyle and, and uh, Hall. Pasternak looked great. Of course, they have the other two. Like, they just... They really seem to be forming. They were had a, a bad start to the year. They really seem to be coming into their own at the right time of year, which is something that they've always been really good at. So 
I like what I saw from them last night, and I don't think that, have they they've played the least once this year so far, right? I think they played them once at home and the least one. Yes. I think. Yeah. So the Leafs beat a team, and it was a pretty good win for the Leafs. I remember really liking it, but they haven't played this version of the Boston Bruins that are looking like they do right at this moment. And they, it's coming up here. I think Tuesday night they have the Bruins again, so we're going to get to see what it looks like. But, man, it's lurking, and I am not ready for it, boys. I just have to say. We got, we got a terrific show coming up here. So uh, uh, Doug McLean will be in for his regular spot uh, on, on Friday. Ben Sherrod, guys, from the Florida Panthers, scheduled to join us. In the second hour, he, of course, comes off his Florida debut last night, coincidentally against his former club, the Montreal Canadiens. So we'll get a feel on what went on last night with him and the potential matchup, of course, with the Toronto Maple Leafs, if in fact that happens in the first or second round, if they're lucky to advance, if the Leafs don't get Boston, maybe it is a a Florida Leaf matchup. Uh, also going to take uh, your texts, your chat uh, questions as well on this Friday. Happy you're aboard uh, on our YouTube channel, on our Sportsnet YouTube channel, or wherever you're uh, downloading. Uh, going into last night, uh, what else impressed you? Uh, I, I look at Swayman in net, yeah. and he is one of many where there's the question mark. And I'm not sure if... If Boston fans thought that he'd be the guy kind of carrying it up until this point, they went out and they signed uh, uh, Allmark. Yep. Five, so, by five, right? Yeah, which they would have never have done, I think. Knowing in hindsight, yeah. knowing how Swayman. I just, I looked at him last night and, man, of course the question mark is, is how can he do it in the playoffs? He's never done it before, and that's all legit. Mm-hmm. But right now, if they were to match up against the Leafs, you 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 give Boston the the edge in goaltending because of Swayman. Yeah, Swayman, and you know I mentioned it yesterday on the show, but I went through his numbers over the course of his career. Insane, you know, nine forty save percentage in college. Like the numbers, he's been good everywhere. He's big. He's young. You know, there's no guarantee it translates to the NHL, but he looks like a guy right now. He's played 40 NHL games. I mean, Campbell's played 100 maybe. I don't know what it is, but, you know, Swayman right now, I think it looks like the guy. God, the Bruins. 930 save percentage in 41 career games. Yeah, in the NHL. In the NHL. Okay. For Swayman. That's just sick numbers. Sick numbers. And this, uh, you know, this run they're on, Bruins are 8-1-1 and in their last 10 you go back even further. I think they're thirteen, two and one in their last sixteen or something like they. They've just been winning. I just find right now watching that Boston Bruins team last night. I just they're complete, right? Like they they have some guys who play D. They're getting goaltending. Those guys at the top that Bergeron line that we've been waiting for to decline. Yeah, not declining. It hasn't happened yet. Like. Maybe it will at some point, but this is not the year that the the perfection line is imperfect. And he's resting right now, Bergeron. Yeah. Oh, they're just getting stronger. But you know what they also have? Mm. Pasta. Lots of pasta. Lots of pasta. Heaping bowls. Can Willie Nylander just watch Pasternak no, last night? No, he's never going to become say, Just that. be a poor man's. Just no. He he's a poor man's yeah, pasta. He is a poor man's pasta? I'd say he's a no-name brand. <laughs> is he not? Oh, There's just gosh. no comparison. You like I don't the like physicality the I don't like. Pasta, I don't right? even like really comparing. I just, they're different styles. I, I, just, I just see. Uh, I, I see similarities in physical, appear, great skaters. Yeah, strong size. 
Nylander showed the ability to lean on people and take pucks off early in the season. Oh, yeah. he can do it. And he it's can do just it for sure. completely gone. And you watched Pasternak last night. Ugh. That game was playoff intensity. You know, like, there's been a couple games recently. Was it Tampa and Carolina the night before or two nights before that? Yep. Really good hockey game. You know, seeing Colorado and Calgary go going at it recently. Like, it is clear now the teams that believe they're Stanley Cup contenders when they play each other, it's a different level of hockey. And for the Leafs heading into these games coming up, easy to look past Montreal, right? 32nd in the NHL, Shelgren's in net. You know, and, and look at the next night and say, okay, we're going to a guy we hope is a guy in Mrazic and we're playing Florida. And you, I worry about them Saturday night just focusing on the wrong game. Before we get into the big weekend ahead, uh, ahead for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and you just mentioned uh, the Leafs at the Bell Centre against Montreal and then Sunday at home against uh, first place Florida Panthers at uh, Scotiabank Arena. What is going on uh, with Tampa Bay right now? Because no one expected to see where they are right now in the standings. No. And yet, can we be totally surprised here? Back-to-back Stanley Cup champions with under 20 games to go. Is this the the, the part of the season where uh, they... They look human. They look like mm-hmm. uh, they might be going through uh, a stage of, dare I say it, uh, fatigue. Yeah, you know, I've heard that. I've heard people saying that. And I looked at the roster and it's like, all right, Stamkos in his 30s, Kaloran's in his 30s. You know, some of their D-men are a little older. It's possible. A couple of long runs. I also think that they've earned the benefit of the doubt. Like if you're John Cooper, you know that these guys are pros. You've seen them bring their level up. And going through their numbers last year in the regular season to what they did in the postseason, they found another gear. And I, they, they still feel like a team that can do that, and it's March. It's, you know. I think there's something to be said about the sort of the flip the switch angle with them. I think they've had, obviously, there's, they're struggling here a little bit. They're a back-to-back cup winning. Maybe the fatigue plays into it, but don't you think there's something to them, the motivation factor? It's kind of the dog days here. They know they're making the playoffs. They don't really care who they play. Trying to keep these guys motivated, trying to keep these guys engaged before the real big games start, I think there could be something to that, oh, no? Man. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I think it's a physical thing. I think mentally yeah. you've got a chance to do something special in any era. Forget oh, yeah. about post uh, salary cap salary era. Salary cap era. This would be three a, Stanley Cups. Put Julian Breesbo on the Hall of Fame if they win three. And all of the rest of them. Yeah. Not that they're not already going with <laughs> right. Brayton Point and, yeah. uh, and Hedman. You can put Vasilevsky in tomorrow. I think Stamkos this, probably have a good chance too, boys. This is just an opportunity once in a lifetime mm-hmm. to get your three in a row here. That's why and, you end up with Hegel and Paul, by it, the way. You go, we, we just got to go well, in. F- absolutely. Yeah. And the commitment. And, you know, I, I still look at the, the two first rounders that they gave up to Chicago and and a prospect, I think, mm-hmm. for for Hagel. Yeah, and I like fa- uh, Hagel a lot. But two firsts and a prospect to me should get you, you another team star player. Yeah, that, right. You're like, hey, if, we if, want if Panarin. Me, if someone told me Pat Kane <laughs> got traded, yeah, last week, it would have started with two first they, they rounders, two first, yeah, and a, maybe a blue chip prospect. But you're also trading for the contract, right? Like it, with Kane, you have to. Part of it is you have to fit in that salary cap space with Hagel, yeah. cost controlled for a while. You know, it, 
Yeah, good point, but it, it's just, it's mind-boggling the price that they paid for him. I was thinking today, like thinking about the Leafs goaltending situation where going into the deadline, we said, well, there's no one out there. Who would you want? Like, is it possible in this day and age to just target a guy who the team very much want and just offer them too much? Like you talk about like a Kane or I don't know who a good goalie would be you think is going to get eliminated, whether it's Gibson or not, but just say, hey, all right, four firsts. We'll make an NBA deal here. Well, if if you believe that uh, Fleury still has some longevity in his career still, and he yeah. did win the Vezina last year. it's pretty good. But if... Say, for instance, if, if the Leafs really pushed all in for him and, and went for it and he wanted to come and he wanted to to help and, and be here long term, if you would have turned around and traded for Fleury mm-hmm. and somehow got him on a, on a, on a two- or three-year deal, mm-hmm. you think it, it would have changed everything here? Yeah. You know, my whole thing with the Fleury situation was I just don't know. I don't know how good he is this year. And, like, I know he won the Vezina last year, and so he didn't fall off a cliff and get awful. But also, it was a shortened season last year, and he played 30 games, 35 games to win the Vezina. You know, it's not – it wasn't – he didn't play 70 times. So, I don't know. I'm just not sure that he's – that I'd want to bet on Flurry. Not that I think he's – not that's, sure I'd want to bet on him. That, that's one of those where you don't know, I don't know, nobody knows. No, he doesn't know. But once we find out – yeah, that's when the experts will come out. Oh, oh yeah, we're, the, we're all going to know so I, much I, in I two told years. You, I told you so. They should have. They should have went out and got him. We should actually get Bunkus on the record for his take on Flurry before it happens. Well, I'm, I was the. I'm one of the biggest anti-Flurry guys out there. Okay, I hold grudges since that World Junior where he shot at the puck off Patrick O'Sullivan into his own net. I've held a grudge ever since then, and I've never. Years. I've never really been a big fan of him, and I was pining for him. So yeah, tells you where the goaltending's gone. Right. No flurry this weekend. Shalgren Saturday, Mrazic Sunday. That was announced. Uh, we we had talked about this on our show uh, the other day. No no issues here, right, guys? This is the way it should be. Uh, yeah, I like the way that's laid out. Gives you know it's taking the Florida game as seriously as possible. I think saying okay, Peter, you, if you're going to be a part of this, you, you know you're you're the guy we pay three point nine. You get the good the good team or the better team. Actually, these teams are maybe maybe first and last in the conference at this point. Yes. So yeah, I like it. Do you have any issue? No, no. I think it protects it. It, it protects Peter Mrazek's win first of all. That's important. What do you mean? I'm I'm saying that if you start Mrazek Saturday night and he gets uh, lit up, oh yeah, you're done. Right. Right. You're you're done against a uh, a marquee game on your calendar against a team that. Uh, you're going to eventually, we think, have to get through at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just looking at this Florida team, though, and knowing the way Mrazic has been playing, Florida uh, is first in the NHL. They score 4.6 goals per game, 4.06 goals per game. Peter Mrazic is giving up, uh, I don't know, a touchdown per start. I'm just guessing. So I, I am, this is a moment for him, right? This is a real test. Like, it's also the chance, you know, we, we had uh, Boucher on yesterday, and he said, you know, sometimes you got to have that game where you feel like you stole one for your team. You, you played above the expectations. Like, this is that opportunity for Mrazic to go, go out against a good team, go earn your team's trust a little bit, find your way back into the team's good graces. Mm-hmm. Another opportunity for Shalgren to convince people that he could be the backup, I guess, if Mrazic and you need to 
keep his money down yeah. with the Marlies. But what what I like about it is that it doesn't talk Leaf Nation into him being the greatest goalie and someone that should start for them if he beats Montreal, who, again, is last in the NHL. If they do lose on Saturday, Sammy, what would you say about our I, poor contest winner? Yeah, poor uh, yeah, <laughs> Robbie and Tron are going to be on the sadness train. Uh, train <laughs> I, do, I do think there's a world where this is the biggest trap game of all time. This yeah. Habs game on the Saturday night, you travel in there, it's a one-off. Your biggest game of the season's the next night against the team that you haven't seen yet. I, I do think it's a tough one. And listen, all teams go through this. But even for, for this team that sometimes has a, has a hard time getting motivated for certain games, I think it's fair to say, yeah. that this one, getting, Keith getting these guys ready for the Saturday night before the, the Cats could be an interesting one. They're either going to win or lose by three. They gave Florida a little bit of a, a scare last night. They come out, they scored an early goal, I think the first 15 seconds. They scored late. Florida still has issues. Yeah, they're not a perfect team. No, they, there's no doubt about that. They're like, you know, the Leafs, we, we talk these teams up around them like they're in some other league. Like, the Leafs can hang with these teams. It's just a matter of, you know, the, the, the demons at this point is probably why we talk about them the way we do. Um, speaking of the Leafs, Kipper, uh, they changed up some of their, their power play looks. I don't know if you saw the power play two. Sammy uh, had Lilligren. Had two defensemen. Yeah. Lilligren and, and Giordano and Blackwell in the middle. Yeah. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I think Lilligren's a good puck handler enough, and you don't have to break up the pair when you put out the second unit. Your thoughts on that? Uh, Spezza, Bunting, and Blackwell. Is that what it is? Yes. Correct. I'm calling that the uh, MVP second unit. You think so? Yeah. You like it? No. <laughs> Why'd you call that MVP? Uh, minimum value paid. <laughs> That's got to be the cheapest second unit power well, play in the league. Well, forwards. Giordano drives it up a bit. Well, what's... He's, he's, you're, you're right, he's though. three million. Yeah. Bunting, Spezza, Blackwell, and Lilligren all make pretty close to minimum. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no minimum than yeah, Geo half retained. It's, it's, it's a five it's, million dollar unit. It's for a five, five million dollar <laughs> unit, which is one player on any other yeah. second unit. The other unit uh, has Matthews, Tavares, Marner through the middle, which is thirty three million. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 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 Willie God, in front and I, Riley up top. For I, uh, that might be the most expensive unit in the league. I really hope this is uh, the exception to uh, that uh, phrase: "You get what you pay for." <laughs> or maybe you want it to be "You get what you pay or for." And the first is, unit just goes berserk and scores at like forty percent. Ultimate money ball here, isn't yeah. it? It's the yeah. You're right. It's the big balls money, and then the money ball unit so, on the second one. It's wins. Do any teams do the two D man move anymore? No, but they have the arrangement here with Lilligren in a one three one still. So yeah. it's almost like you know. Because I remember in my youth, Caberlet to to McCabe, him with the the, pil- the, the pillowy saucer, hammers out from and the, yeah. the one timer, the, the pillowy saucer from from Caberlet, and then just the bomb. But they don't McCabe. have that with Morgan Riley or or anyone else. No, but I I just Sandine has a as a chance. He can shoot it. Yeah. I think he can shoot it. Yeah. Mm. He's he's got a, like a, a good little snap or two. I yeah. But Riley just signed a hundred year contract, so he's going to be the guy. Yeah. yeah. For a while. Yeah. Uh and that's a good opportunity for Blackwell. Colin it is. Blackwell to yeah. step in and get some second unit here. 
they're dying to be forced to put him up the lineup. Oh, like, I, they don't want to look like they're handing him too much, right? But they're like... Please tuck one in the power tuck, play. Yeah, tuck one, make yeah. a couple of dishes, get in on a four check, and all of a sudden they're going to be like, well, Blackwell's he's forced undeni- He's undeniable. Had to put him with... You guys see Blackwell? Well, he's flying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we also got Rick Vive is going to join us in a few minutes as well. Uh, Rick Vive, of course... Uh, 40th anniversary of his 50th goal. So it might be a, a good opportunity to bring him on and, and talk about what maybe uh, a guy like Austin Matthews is going through right the now. The last time a Toronto Maple Leaf scored 50 was that season, or Rick probably did it in ensuing seasons, but... Gary Lehman, uh, the only other mm-hmm. uh, Toronto Maple Leaf in history to have over 50 goals. Dave Anderchuk. There it is. God, I forgot my roomie. Brandeo shows Shame up. on me. <laughs> Love it. Way to go, Derek. Okay, we're we're done right now. <laughs> just three, then. Yeah, just right? three. Just three. So we'll bring in Rick Vive now. Hey, Squid, what's going on, man? I'm good, Kipper. How are you? We're well. We're well. Hey, congratulations on 40 years since your 50th goal against St. Louis and my old uh, roommate Mike Liute. Uh, when when you think of the number four zero, uh, it's mind boggling, isn't it? Well, yeah, it is, actually. I, I didn't know if I'd be around to celebrate the 40th anniversary. <laughs> <But> <laughs> there, was, there was many times uh, early when I was younger that there was times where I thought, oh, maybe I won't make it to 62. And, uh, but I did, and, and it's, uh, it just, it's amazing that it's gone this long. What do you remember about that particular night um, and, and what you felt? Because you were the first to do it with an historic franchise, this isn't, uh, you know, Columbus or anyone else uh, that uh, recently got in the league. But, you know, was it relief? Was it uh, happiness? Like, what went through your mind and what maybe Austin Matthews might be going through as he closes in on that? Well, it it was a lot of everything, really. Uh, I mean, there there was a lot of... uh, leading up to it and, and the pressure to, to get there because you're so close with, you know, with X amount of games left. And fortunately the night before or the game before against Chicago, I got four, which brought me to 49 and past Frank Mahavlich is 48. And then, you know, we had a lot of games left. So I, I, the pressure was kind of off. I figured I would do it, uh, especially with the guys I was playing with on our power play. And on that particular goal, Billy D did all the work, uh, made a beautiful backhand pass across, and all I had to do was one time it into the net, and uh, it was uh, then everything after that was joy and and uh, just honor really that to think that you're the first player uh, of a franchise that's been around for I think almost seventy years at that point uh, that you were the first person to do that. It, it was incredible. And, you know, has rarely happened since. And, uh, you know, right now the, the Leafs have a guy in Austin Matthews who's uh, chasing records uh, of his own. I wonder when you watch him play, you know, or what do you think he is going through? I wonder sometimes if you feel the pressure to shoot and score goals more than, like, does it take you out of your normal way of thinking, knowing that that pursuit is is kind of in process? Well, I think everybody's different, but I, I, I don't think there's anybody playing in the National Hockey League that is in that situation that doesn't think about it. You wake up, and that's mm-hmm. on your mind. And and there's going to be a moment where, you know, he gets to the 50, first of all, which I'm 
well, I'd be shocked if he doesn't. And then, then all of a sudden, then, then it's like, okay, now I got to get to 55. And there's going to be pressure on him, I, I would imagine. But he seems like a pretty even keel kid that can handle that kind of stuff uh, from what I've seen and the people that I've talked to. So uh, I, I don't see him having any problem doing it. You guys both look like pure shooters, of course, and with that in mind, you're gonna your your first instinct is to 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 shoot the puck and ask questions later. But does it get to a point down the stretch where you have to talk to your teammates as well and go, hey, listen, um, you don't you don't have to overpass to me. You don't have to you know don't change too much of your game. Does that go on at all, Rick? Did it go? Oh, I know you had Billy Durlego there and. It's a hell of a pass on his backhand, I think, on Mike Liu to you. Um, and he is a natural passer, disher anyways. But uh, others, were, was it to the point where it's like, guys, let's let's stay within the, the game uh, and, and the team concept here. And it's, it's not it's not me chasing a record first and foremost. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, there was times where we talked about that. And, and there was a bunch of times where I said, guys, look, you know, if I'm open, yeah, give me the puck. I mean, but don't look for me in particular because regardless of what happens, it doesn't really matter. All that matters is that we go out. Now, mind you, uh, back in those days when uh, when you were playing for the Maple Leafs, we didn't have a, a lot of great coaching or anything at that point. And uh, uh, winning hockey games was, was the toughest part. So it was kind of said a lot of times that, like, let's try and win the game. And whatever happens, happens. What are your thoughts on the on the way Matthews plays? Is it um, does it remind you of your own style in any way, or is it just a totally different way that he goes about getting getting his goals? Oh, I think it's quite a bit different uh, in a sense. I mean, the game has evolved so much. I mean, it's it's hard to compare yeah. the eighties to to what's going on now in the league. Uh, you know, I mean, getting hooked all the way down the ice. I mean, I remember defensemen. Uh, had no palms in their gloves because it was easier for them to grab onto your sweater in the corners <laughs> and behind the net. And, you know, I mean, that that doesn't happen today. But then again, the goaltenders are better. The, the goaltending equipment is bigger. So, uh, you know what, I've always said you put anybody that has done that multiple times and you put them in any other decade, they'd be able to do the same thing because you would adapt to the style of play that whatever is going on in that decade, and you would train differently, obviously, as they do now compared to when, what we did in the 80s. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think, I mean, but he's got a, a fantastic shot and great skills. It, it's it's like off the charts. Uh, it, I mean, I, well, put it this way, if I tried to do half the stuff he does, I'd probably blow my knee out a few times. <laughs> You know, Rick, uh, it's so funny because some t- uh, you hear a lot of the the newer generation, uh, JB included, will say, yeah, the game's changed a lot. And then I watch Austin Matthews cross-check Darlene right against the You're face. Like, oh, I'm I like, love it. I'm like, it hasn't changed that much. <laughs> and just, just your thought, because you, of course – in, in that era, had to fight for every inch that you got. And every once in a while, that meant ke- keeping your stick up. That meant dropping your gloves and fighting. And, you know, of course, it, it's not that way today. But 
Did you like the response of Matthews, even though it cost him two games? Uh, yeah, I did and I didn't. I mean, you know, obviously you got to stick up for yourself. And I think that's what all the players need to understand is that, you know, the days of having somebody on the bench just to protect the best players are gone. I mean, they're, they're not around anymore. I mean, the game has changed that much. So you got to have to stick up for yourself. So I, I, I thought that was great that he, that he did stick up for himself. I think maybe he went a little too far <laughs> because it cost him two games. And, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, if he looks back and he ends up with 53, he may look back on that and go, oh, what if I hadn't have gotten those two games suspension? So, yeah. I mean, but you know what? I, I, I love the way he plays. And I, I've seen the maturity over the years, too. And I think I really do believe that that incident in Arizona a few summers ago, I think that woke him up a little bit. And I think he realized that he had to be a better player and a better person. And since then, if you look at his numbers, I mean, they're they're through the roof. Yeah. So, Rick, then let's get your thoughts on this team, this Toronto Maple Leafs team you've been watching closely for years now. Get to that first round, high hopes, and just fall short. Uh, What do you think of their group and their chances this season? Well, I think they're very good. I mean, but they were very good last year. Uh, with a 3-1 lead, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and then you don't win the first round, I, I thought for sure that wasn't going to happen. But, again, like I said, they got a heck of a team. But you look at their division, and Boston's got a heck of a team. Tampa's got a heck of a team, and so does Florida. So I would really love to see the league go back to, even if they said took the two division winners and the next six best teams and play 1-8, or just the top eight in the conference, uh, because you know you look at that division. There, uh, you know, after two rounds, there's two of the best teams in the league are out. We're with Rick Vive, former Leaf captain uh, and uh, current record holder for most goals in a season with 54. I'm not sure how long I'll be able to say that. Much, <laughs> a couple four uh, more weeks, much or so, longer. <laughs> but knows, for now, man, that that one's yours. How many? Um, uh, the 54, I didn't look this up. I, I, my, my crack uh, research uh, team of uh, Sammy was putting, I think, uh, in, in pregame. But how many of those were on the power play, Squid? Not that many, actually. I, I was surprised. I thought a lot of were on the power play, but I would say probably, I, I think the most they ever had in one season was 12 or 14, wow. something like that. So, yeah, I, yeah I, you know, I was shocked when I looked it up one time. I was just kind of curious, and I looked it up, and I went, oh, I thought I had more power play goals than that. But I think maybe one year I was up around 16 or 17 or 18, something like that. But uh, they were relatively low. I was, I was surprised. I, I was kind of shocked. And, and when, you, when you thought, when you, when you look back at that power play in the years that you did score 50, uh, was it a – underachieving power play. We watch the power play of the Toronto Maple Leafs and when it's on, it's dynamite, but they go through these stretches now and we saw it was a horrible stretch when they needed it most against Montreal in the first round and it was, uh, it wasn't there to carry them through. But uh, if you've been able to watch their power play today, uh, what do you like about it? And what, what, what are the things that they could change if it, if it does go a little stale? Uh, you know what? I'm not, I mean, as long as they're moving, uh, like I've never seen a power play that moves around as well as they do. And 
uh, and they move the puck, they move bodies around all over all over the zone, and it confuses the, the, the penalty killers, and they end up out of their box or out of their system, whatever they're trying to do. I, you know, I mean, it's very, very difficult to defend against. And, uh, I mean, obviously, if things start going south on the power play, I mean, I, I coached as well, and I – one of the things I did, if things started going south on the power play, I just I took well Jared Bednar, who's with Colorado at the time, and Mar- uh, uh, Fornell. I uh, just say they were my two biggest players. I said, you guys just go to the front of that, and the three the other three guys just shoot the puck, and then you know you're going to get one off someone's ass or something, and uh, and then all of a sudden things are going to start to change, and teams are going to come out and start challenging the shooters more and then that's when things will open up those scene passes and so on but their power play is is excellent uh the way they move around and everything is incredible and uh it's very very difficult to defend rick what did you make of their uh deadline acquisition of uh, mark giordano there i'm I'm sure you played with uh some elite d-men in your time and having a guy like that in the back end to calm things down always goes a long way uh your thoughts on on what giordano can bring for the leafs well i don't think there's any question that he can bring a lot i mean he's got a lot of uh years under his belt he seems like a pretty you know even keeled guy that can keep some of the younger guys maybe grounded a little bit better and, and that sort of thing. Uh, Blackwell, I think, is a guy they brought in that is underrated. I think he, he's gonna, he can play anywhere up and down the lineup. So, I mean, you know, I mean, I guess what we're looking at is you're going into the first round again of the playoffs and uh, what's going to happen in goal? Uh, I think that's probably the question that's, that everybody's asking is, you know, uh, is Campbell going to come back and regain the form that he had earlier in the season? Uh, you know, we don't know. I mean, who, who's to know what's going to happen? Uh, you know, the possible, now they did get a goalie that they signed who won the Olympics, but then Arizona, like idiots, went and claimed him off waivers. With, uh... <laughs> That's how Kyle Dubas <laughs> feels too. Yeah, maybe a little payback for something there along the way, but uh, I thought that was kind of a, a terrible move for them to do that. I mean, you know, here they go sign a guy to bring him in and perhaps help with their goaltending, and and they go ahead and swipe him up. Not like general managers to hold grudges or anything over the, your your career, right? <laughs> oh, general managers when I was playing held uh, grudges for everything. I mean, it was it's funny. It's I remember one in particular. I went to got traded to Chicago, scored 43 goals. My contract was over. So Pulley offered me, Bob Pulford, who's the GM, offered me a $40,000 pay cut. <laughs> I, you know, I'm like, what? Like, what is this? It's not the way it works. Waters. No, like, Bill Waters is my agent. And he set a, an arbitration date, and Pulford called him and said, uh, well, you know what's going to happen if you go to arbitrate. Yeah, he says, I know, you're going to trade him. That's fine. Three days later, I had a new contract, and I, I got a raise. I, I, it's like, why did this go on all summer? I, it was crazy. But that's the way it was back then. We had no power as players. That's the other thing I love about the game today is the players have a lot of power, and I, I think that's great for the game. Yeah. 
You know, I, we're going to take a question from uh, our, our YouTube channel here, watching along with us. Uh, a request to ask you about your stick flex. I'm told that uh, you you didn't use the same whippy sticks the players do today, is my understanding. Oh, my God. Lumber. Oh, <laughs> lumber. My, yeah, mine was probably about 150 flex, probably. It was, it was about, it, well, it was, the, the shaft was square. I mean, because yeah. I, kept break, I kept breaking them. And I, I told Titan, I said, you got to make them stiffer and stronger i said and the only way they could do that was make the shot bigger and so it was i think it weighed 11 pounds or something <laughs> like that like it was crazy it was crazy but you know what it worked so I, no I kidding it. did it did it break when you cross-checked people that's what i want to know uh no it broke a couple of times when i broke them over guys legs and yes the legs I, okay yeah, Rob Ramage, one time, I remember, he broke two sticks over my arm in one one game. And finally, I just chopped him in the back of the leg, and I broke my stick. And I went, oh, shit, I must have hit him harder than I <laughs> That is awesome. Well, listen, we really appreciate your time. Congratulations on uh, 40th anniversary of your historic 50 goals uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Hey, did... What's the deal now? The closer Austin gets, uh, you know, are you on standby? You're not going to have to jump on planes, trains, and automobiles to watch him <laughs> score this goal, are you? I don't know. I haven't heard anything from the organizations. I don't know what's going on. I I hope that I'm there when he does it or, or able to go and visit him the next day, and, and which Frank Mahavas did for me when I broke his record. And uh, hopefully that happens. Uh, I'd love to be there. Uh, you know, he's, I, I was hoping he did it a couple of years ago, a few years ago when the pandemic hit, because we, we both would have been the same age when we scored those goals Oh, cool! and, uh, 22 years old, it would have been great, but let's hope that I get a chance to be there when he does it and, and go down and see him and congratulate him. And, and, uh, cause I'd love to, it would be, it's like passing the torch after 40 years. Well, you've certainly earned that right. Uh, Rick Vive squid. Thanks for doing this, pal. Yeah, we appreciate it. My my pleasure, guys. Have a great day. You too. Rick Vive. He says his stick he thought was around 11 pounds. I just looked up the weight of like an Easton Synergy today. 490 grams, which is one pound. Current hockey sticks were 11 times lighter. 11 times. <laughs> which the, just scary. It's just it's like just ask scary. a guy today to use 11 sticks at once and see how he likes the weight. I like a heavier stick. I hate how light they are these days. Light, not an issue for me, um, but I, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of the super whip either. I use a little bit stiffer. It is really remarkable that uh, that the Leafs, as historic of a franchise, they went through their their 70s and not won 50 goal score. Uh, it is baffling. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how and that I think happens. He was uh, 80, what were you doing? 81, 82. I think you couldn't get 50. You know I mean, you had your and, chance. And since then, just yeah. as we said, Andrew Chuck. Yep. And Gary Lehman. And that's a bad run, guys. That's a really <laughs> 90s, 2000s, yeah. 2010. Like decades. I know. Not, well, a, not mean, a sniff. Least fans are like, we know, Kipper. I'm, uh, I'm, well, Tavares, what did he get? 47, 47 in his first year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I recommend everyone go look at Rick Five's stat page. It is a journey, let me tell you, first and foremost. So, in 80-81, he scores 33 times, 229 pims. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. 229 pims. So the next three years, he scores 50. 54, 51, and 52 goals in about late, you know, high 70s games. 
and over 100 pims, 150, 105, 114. Yeah. But so I, I was looking because you asked him about power play goals. Um, in the 350 goal seasons, he got 12 power play goals, 18 and 17 power play goals. So, yeah, no, I mean, he did a lot of his damage at even strength. My favorite part of that, I'm looking at a, the on hockey reference here, and his WHA season with the uh, Birmingham Bulls. As at age 19, uh, 59 points with 26 goals and 248 penalty minutes at age Must 19. have been an animal. They, they don't make 19-year-olds <laughs> like they used to, boys. Nobody ragdolling. Oh, my life. God. No. Okay? Nobody. Oh, my God. 19-year-old just beating the brakes off everybody. Well, it was great having him on uh, and, and sharing uh, that historic event. 40 years this week. That was amazing. All right, we'll take a quick break here. Uh, Doug McLean, former NHL president, GM, and head coach. We'll get his thoughts on the Boston Bruins. He's always, always liked them. And I try to convince him real hard. It's going to fall. Yeah. And, uh, you keep saying it every week. year, and you might I've be right. I've had a tough week. I, I picked the wrong goalie start, and <laughs> now it looks like the Boston Bruins are uh, are trending upward. We'll get his thoughts on that. Uh, Dadanov as well, and, and a lot more. And Ben Sherratt in the second hour. Don't go away. Still got a great show from you. We'll take some texts and tweets, and uh, certainly uh, your chat on YouTube. Plenty left here on The Real Kipper and Bourne Show. See you soon. The code word for today's episode to text 590-590 to qualify for your shot to win Leafs-Habs tickets on April 9th is Caulfield. Breaking down the top stories in hockey and Elliot Friedman every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Waiting on Doug McLean, former general manager and president of Columbus. Going to be interesting to get his thoughts on, first and foremost, uh, Dadanov. Dadanov. A goal and two assists last night. He went from <laughs> nobody wants me to <laughs> the most star. important golden night of record. Nice to see, though. It is. It is nice to see. Like, if they make the playoff skipper, this guy can help. This could be a good thing for them. There's, they will go from a, a team that was like decimated to maybe a, one of the favorites. That's how, oh, yeah. that's how their lineup could get really scary quickly. When you have Stone and Martinez and no salary cap, everybody on that roster is eligible to come in, including Doug McLean right here. How are you? I, I want to talk about Sam for a minute. <laughs> Sam McKee. Okay. Super Sam. Is that his name? Super Sam. I thought he was going to cry when he was talking about Giordano the other day. I listened to a clip of your guys on podcast, and I thought he was going to break down and cry. When tears of joy? Like, what, tears of joy? What is the story? What is the story on this guy anyway? He loves his show. Leafs. He just loves his Leafs. Oh God. Hey, hey, you grew up out east. You had leaf lovers in PEI, did you not? You know, there's a million Sammies out there. Oh, there's only one. Hey, Davey Keon had his birthday the other day. And as I said on my tweet, Davey Keon was my all-time favorite player after Errol Thompson and Billy McMillan. (laughs) 
who are from PEI. Yeah, exactly. Good players. Anyway, um, what's up? Well, we wanted uh, we we start off the uh, the show with the reality that the Boston Bruins and the Toronto Maple Leafs could meet yet again in the playoffs, and I don't know whether or not uh, you know a guy like Sammy and everybody else in Leaf Nation really want that or are or are ready for it. Well, it's interesting. I watched them last night, and I I was pretty impressed. I mean, that's without Bergeron. Uh, Pasternak picks up the hat trick. I mean, they dominated Tampa Bay last night in that game. I mean, it was, I know the shots were like 38 to 19, but it wasn't that. It was domination every which way without their without their best two-way player. Something that surprised me about them, their goaltending has been really solid. Um, you know, when you lose your number one goaltender, you think you may have a little drop-off, but they've been good in goal. But I'll tell you, you know, I've been listening about, you know, Giroux and all these great pickups. The best, the best, without a doubt, and you guys have probably talked about this, the best trade deadline pickup was Hampus Lindholm. Like, yeah. how do you pick up a 20, how do you pick up a 26-year-old defenseman that moves a puck like that? And, and Pat Verbeek, I mean, he's got a rebuild going there. Why would he not want to get this guy done on a long-term contract? That shocked me. So I thought Boston had the best pickup, and last night he moved the puck effectively out of his zone. He's he's solid every which way. I mean, he's an impact defenseman, guys. We don't see him very much. I I mean, I don't watch Anaheim, L.A., and San Jose very often. This guy's a hell of a defenseman, and that's a great pickup by Sweeney. Yeah, no, that's a that's a game changer for them getting a rock like that on the back end. You know, I, I am fascinated by these GMs who consistently do business with one another. Some GMs who never do business with another guy. I think right now there's also you know everyone's under the salary cap and trying to squeeze guys under. You need this team to. It just seems like GMs have this whole network of relationships that's so important to their ability to do business. How important is that side of it? The actual interpersonal relationships aside from what sort of things you offer in trades? Great question. Well, Thank you. Well, does anybody have a relationship with Pat Verbeek? I haven't seen him smile in 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's a so, pig farmer. So I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, you know what? It's kind of funny. You just, well, look at the, look at the Max Domi deal. You talk about needing favors. So Columbus, you know, they want to move Max Domi at the trade deadline. And Carolina end up picking up 25% of his salary. So you've got Columbus keeps 50%. Bill Zito, who got to the NHL because of Kekalainen, Kekalainen hired him, got him gave him his first job as assistant in Columbus. He picks up 25% of Domi's salary in Florida for a six-round pick. And then, uh, you know, Carolina get Domi for 25%. Now, with the way he's played this year, he's only worth 25% of his salary from what I've seen of him play this year. He has been terrible. With all due respect to Ty, because don't tell Ty I said this. I don't <laughs> want to over You're brutal. <laughs> but he has not been very good. And so, to me, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I sort of still don't understand why Carolina would go there. But but anyway, Max I've can, watched hey, Max if, if Max If Max can get going, if Rudd and him hit it off, 
it's going to be a good depth move. He is a talented guy, Mac. Well, especially especially when you're you're getting him for twenty five percent of his salary. That's a great depth move. That's like picking up a guy from the American League for what they have to pay him. I mean, it's a great move. Well, twenty five percent. We we know that guy's never paid full value. The owner in Carolina, Dundon. Yeah. No, exactly. So, you know, if, if Max can get with a decent line and we know he can make plays and he's pretty good on the power play, but I, I just, I couldn't believe how bad he was this year in Columbus. It shocked me because I was a, always a Max Domi fan mm-hmm. in Montreal, in Arizona. I always was. And this year, something happened to him. Now, can he regain that and get it going? Oh, let's hope so. So but you, you know what? So you talk about the so, favors. So without, so, Go ahead. You know, like, uh, your your buddy there, Bourne, just asked me a question, and it, it the favors are di- the favors are different from when I was a GM because now you need guys to hold money for you, and yeah. we, I never had that experience. So it, that's a whole different thing. You, you know, we used to want a, a third guy in a deal, and we'd have to to make it work. Now it's it's all about needing guys to help you hold money, and what do you have to give them to hold money for you? So it's sort of changed the dynamic of it, but it's really a critical part of it now. It really is. And we see it in almost every trade. So we just had Rick Vive on, and he was talking about uh, Arizona being idiots for claiming uh, uh, the goalie that Kyle Dubas signed, Soteri. So what basically you're telling me is if, uh, if Bill Armstrong and Kyle Dubas were good friends, he would never have uh, claimed him off of Kyle. What I'm telling you, if they were good friends... They aren't anymore. <laughs> that, uh, I mean, it just, did, did, no, I mean, what did he, I, I don't get why he would do, well, he needed a goalie because he was trading his, I guess, but did the kid ever show up? He said he was going to retire if he, if he got picked up. So did he ever show up in Arizona? I don't know. That's a great I question. don't follow Arizona. Well, you, know, you know, we gave a follow once Arizona he wasn't coming here. <laughs> but you know what, guys? I said to Nick today, there's some great stories in the NHL going on right now. And we talked about Lindholm, but I, I just, I've watched three guys, three guys play important roles for their team who played in the East Coast League. Okay. I just watched a kid play, score his first goal for the Philadelphia Flyers. This is how bad the Philadelphia Flyers talent pool is today. They picked up a kid who was in the East Coast League for five years, okay? Hayden Hodson. Wow. Played with McDavid in Erie. Then he went five years in the East Coast League, goes to Lehigh Valley this year, has got 18 goals. They have to sign him on an NHL contract a couple of days ago, put him on an NHL contract from his AHL contract so he can come up and play, and he scores a goal for them last night. I mean, is that not a great story? 26 years old. 26 years old. Yeah. I mean, how great a story is that? You know, You're right, though. It's a great story and for... an indictment of Philly. Exactly. I was trying to give both a shot. I was trying <laughs> to give the kid a credit, and I was giving Philly a shot. What about the Vegas goaltender right now? This guy. Thompson. Logan Thompson is a 25-year-old, 24-year-old, who played at Brock University for a year after he left the Western Hockey League. Then he kicks around the East Coast League a little bit for two years, and now all of a sudden he's a savior and trying to help this team get in the playoffs because Brassois can't, you know, is struggling. 
and their goaltending is a, is a mess. Then you go from there to Tanner Janot with the Nashville Predators, who at 24 years of age is up for rookie of the year, six foot two, 208 pounder, who's got 21 goals, and played in the East Coast League. I mean, are those some great stories coming in? After, now, typically after trade deadline, you're talking about all the big names, like the Lindholms. That, but these are three young guys that are having an impact with their team. It's pretty bizarre, really, isn't it? You know, it's even so it's more kind of fun to see. What's more bizarre is Dodonov having an impact last night for uh, Vegas. And that whole... The, the, the whole thing was just so bizarre with... Uh, is he... Is Anaheim on the list or is he not on the list? Did they did they try to push it through knowingly? So, it was it was. Have you ever seen anything like that before? Well, I, I talked to a guy that was at the game last night today, and he he said they gave him a, a standing a fifty percent standing ovation to start the game and a standing ovation when he scored. And like this is like this is like not very. GM right now. He's taken some serious heat from the fan base and from a lot of people around the league. And this is a team, and you I just heard you talking about before I come on. I mean, yeah, they've got they've got a great team if they make the playoffs, but this is one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen in my 30 years involved in the NHL, where you got superstars on the sidelines that you cannot get on your roster. Because of the salary cap. I've never, I've seen teams have to dress 17 players and this and that, but never three guys that are your best players who cannot get into your lineup. Like, this is unbelievable that this is going on. Can, can someone please, it's a joke. can someone a joke. please stand up and say, no more stashing players, it's over? Like, I know the salary cap's hard to, hard to manage. And I remember this grade eight kid coming into my office, you know, how you go into uh, team offices and ask, you know, student day at the office. And he said to me, Mr. McLean, do you need math for this job as president and general manager? And I said to the kid in grade eight, I said, listen, buddy, here's what I need. I have to be able to add, subtract, multiply and divide and do percentage. After that, I take it down to my CFO when he does the rest. <laughs> Obviously. So I said, you really only need, I said, you really only need grade eight to do this job. So that was my point. Now, Kelly obviously doesn't have grade eight. <laughs> he has really struggled with that. That's such a joke. It's unbelievable. Well, I, and I, I can't help That's but feel like this has to be embarrassing for the NHL in general, that that there isn't some sort of central way that these things are filed, it, it really makes the league look Mickey Mouse, that this can even happen because an email wasn't sent. You know, uh, how often are there things behind the scenes where the, the NHL is involved or doesn't... It sounds to me like the NHL doesn't want this to become a bigger story. They just want it to go away. Is, is it common for things like this to happen behind the scenes? I am absolutely floored when I read that they didn't have that on file. Right. I, I really was because they they typically Batman is a dot your I cross your T kind of guy, and so is Bill Daly. So how this was never and and the no trade no movement thing. I hate to I hate to say this because I told this story because of what 
how I caused the no movement deals to come in. And the fact that I thought I was going to get fined and in trouble big time when we did that deal, Berkey and I, and now they don't even have it on file. <laughs> it's just a horrendous thing. It's, it's bizarre. It really is yeah. that they don't have that on file. So it's between the agents and the teams. Well, you know, it's, it, it, but look, you don't acquire a guy. You don't acquire a guy from Ottawa and not know every detail of his contract. Come on. That makes no sense to me, guys. The fact that they're saying, I don't care if Ottawa say it or not, you still have to know every detail of that contract when you acquire a player. Come on. And again, the NHL should know it as well. Both both should know it. I, I just know could... it when he trades them. And and there are still people out there that legitimately think that the Ottawa Senators are to blame. And ninety nine point nine percent, you know, with Eugene Melnick, that is true. <laughs> but not this time. No, you you can't blame. Like if if you're moving a player, it's up to the team that's acquiring the player to know every detail. If I'm trying to move a guy. You know, like, I, I remember trading a player who was in rehab, okay? I traded a player, and I phoned Bill Daly. I said, can I trade? I said, I am trading this player to Pittsburgh. Craig Patrick wants this guy, but he's in a rehab center. California. <laughs> I to laugh. What do I have to, te- what do I have to tell Craig? And he said, got to tell Craig that the player has some issues. So I, Craig said, what's, so Craig said, what's going on? And I said, well, he's got some issues. That's what I said. So then I gave him his phone number and it's a California number. I gave Craig and Craig said, well, that's a California number. I said, yeah, that's a California number. He's got some issues. So we made the trade and you know, I never heard another word since. I mean, uh, Craig <laughs> obviously was happy. Story. That I'm sorry. One, <laughs> Once he got once he got out of rehab, he was he helped them. I guess I I don't know. Just, <laughs> you know so what I'm it's all about winning. Making, the point I'm making is you've got to check out who you're acquiring, and you know Craig was happy because he didn't care. He he was going to get the guy when he needed him, and that was fine. You know it, that's just the way it went. But you got to check out who you're acquiring. Better to get him on that side of treatment. So, I so guess. what you're telling me is besides. Yeah. Uh, Adding, subtracting, multiplying, and division, you're also very good at chemistry. (laughs) (laughs) Camouflage. (laughs) Hey, uh, one more before we let you go. Uh, Everybody's everybody's, uh, on social media says Tampa Bay's done now, right? Something's wrong with them. They can't score anymore. They look tired, fatigued, whatever. Uh, You're not buying that, are you? (laughs) Not as long as Vasilevsky's in goal, I'm not buying it. And, I mean, he, he's still, is he not the best goaltender in the game? Uh, I know there's a love fest going on with Fleury in Minnesota right now, but I'm still taking Vasilevsky ahead of him. And, you know, McDonough got hurt last night. I don't know how bad that, like, he took the shot off the foot is what I'm, and it didn't look good. So that, my problem with Tampa Bay all year long, and I've watched them a lot, Hedman and McDonough play 24 to 27 minutes every night. And you know what? It's going to catch up to them. Chernak's been hurt a lot. Ruta's okay. Sergachev is good. But 
those two big guys, they can log a lot of ice on, but they've played a ton. So they look, they did not look good last night. I still wouldn't want to play them in the first round. We, we know Tampa Bay has a chance to do something special. Uh, did that factor in that uh, you give up two first-round picks for a guy that might play on your third line if everything falls into place in, ha- uh, in uh, Hagel? Well, I was blown away by two first-round picks. Then I talked to people in Syracuse, and they're telling me Radish has got a chance to be a, a five, which means he could be a second-liner. And the other kid, they like a lot. So, I mean, these two prospects, to me, you know, maybe they're as good as the picks. So that's that's a chance for, for Chicago to get four assets with two first-round picks and two kids that are young guys that still have a chance at the NHLers. I, I'm, I'm a little shocked. Look, I was critical of Griswold when he paid a first-round pick and gave up first-round picks to get Coleman and, and uh, the other kid, uh, Goudreau. No. I mean, they paid a they paid a big price to get those guys, and it turned out so. Kind of hard to criticize Brisbois at this point because Hagel. I mean, he scored a nice goal last night, nice shorty, great play from Palat. I keep hearing they want to go buy Palat because of money, but Palat is one of their most important guys and character guys and can play with stars. I don't know how they give him up. What's on tap for the rest of the weekend here? I got uh, actually. I'm going to play pickleball, and soon as I get off this show, I'm playing just a, a match. I had a good match yesterday. Have you ever tried pickleball, you guys? I have not. You know what? I haven't no. either. No. Well, but... I tell you what. It's 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 not funny. I went to have my physical, and the doctor when I was getting my physical, the doc, I told him. He said, "What do you do for activity?" And I said, "Well, I walk and I jog, and I now I do strength training, and I play pickleball, and I do yoga." He said, "Hey, be careful of the pickleball." <laughs> Most the most patients I see are results of pickleball injuries. So if you're going to play it, just make sure you know what you're doing. I need somebody else to verify this game before. If you're my only re- uh, reference, I don't know what to make of it. I'm not even saying this cynically, but my 72 year old stepfather is a big fan as well. So there's a type for it. Is all I'm saying. Doug McLean, everybody. Tell him, there is, tell him is, there, is there any semi-pro circuit in Florida for you? Circuit, yeah. Hey, I, I just went and watched it last week. They had 800 pickleballers playing here in Delray in a big tournament. I went up and watched it. I can't even. A lot of pickles, a lot of balls. Pickleballers. All right. Thanks for doing this, Mac. Hey, Doug McLean, everybody. Will Kipper and Bourne's pickleballer. Ugh. Uh, and he's telling this story about this player who's been in rehab and trade. I can't believe you're el- you're allowed to trade. I don't even know if he's serious or not. I, I don't either. I had no idea how to handle that. I'm like, I'm nervously. Do I chuckle here? Do I not chuckle? Am I being disrespectful? Well, it's, hala- it's a hilarious him. story. If and you I've known him for 20 the years. Hu- the serious human element. If he puts a name on it, I don't think you're allowed to laugh. But with no name, I think you're okay. Um, Pickleball is just tennis for old people. Yes. Yeah. It's a small court. On a giant court, slow ping ball. pong table. Yeah. yeah, basically. Yeah, It sounds okay. awesome, to be honest. I actually, I mean, joined, a, a I actually joined a tennis club this year. Are you QB? Where are you at? Uh, near my place. Oh. I actually don't know the name of the club, but I joined oh, I was it. looking into it myself. Uh, That's a hard sport on the knees, too. Right? Yeah, middle-aged fellas. Whew. I love it. I love playing, so I'm excited to get into Oof. it deeper this year. I know two people that... Uh, Snapped their Achilles tendon. But if, yeah, if my dad was a, a racquetballer, and that was that's an Achilles that's nightmare a too. That's a huge one. 
Um, Gordo okay. loves tennis, so it can't be that bad. <laughs> Can we promo some things and, like, ask for some stuff here? Yeah. Okay, we need uh, texts and tweets for the back half of the show today. So text 590-590 with your question, and Sam McKee will read it on the air. YouTube Subscribe. Too. Yes, YouTube questions. We will follow you on YouTube as well. We will be checking the comments in there. Sammy, we'll, we'll jot them down as we see them. Subscribe to the podcast. Like the podcast. That's how um, our bosses know that it's good. Yes. And you like it and how we get to stay employed. I like getting employed. I have children, people. Only 89 likes right now. Yeah. We could double that. We can do better. But the, the pod. Or maybe on, they just don't like us. Well, that's possible too. <laughs> but on, on Apple, on Spotify, that's where we need that love. Thank you.